All right. This is weird. Hi, Dad. <laughs> so just in case you guys aren't sure, I'm Adrian. I am um, Pastor Alex's youngest daughter. And you had Claire, who is the middle daughter, and her husband, Marcelo, leading worship today. And then our oldest sister, Jessica, that came up. Um, and she baked the cupcakes, so it's going to be exciting. Um, but it's exciting to be here, Dad, and we just want to celebrate you. You have worked really hard on Sunday. Um, it's part of what we've done. This is part of who our family has been, a Sunday church family. And sometimes I really wanted to be here, and sometimes I didn't really want to be here. But um, you put forth the work to serve not just your family, but also this church family. And we just wanted to honor you by giving you a day off. So we want to do the work for you and think about it and plan it and do it. So this is what we're doing. And so today, my gift to you is I am preaching. <laughs> All right. And what I'm going to share today is talking about a sacrifice that leaves a godly legacy. So involvement. What do you first think of when you think of the word sacrifice? Just what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Go. Hard work. Hard work. Time? What? You. Got it. Lamb. lamb. Okay. Pastor. Good. Lamb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody else? The first thing that comes to your mind when you think of sacrifice? Thankless. Giving up. Giving up. Thankless. Thankless. Yeah. Sacrifice lots of times. I like these answers. Sacrifice, I always think about something that I'm not going to get. That when I sacrifice something, that means I'm not going to get that. I had to sacrifice that. It just means I'm not going to get it. But when I looked um, up what sacrifice actually means in the dictionary, it's actually about what we are giving or surrendering for somebody or something else. So sacrifice isn't about what we're not getting. It's not about what we're losing. It's actually about what we are giving. That is what sacrifice is actually all about. So I'm going to read and start kind of our our verse that I'm pulling this from is Luke 21, 1 through 4, but um, it's a really short four verses, so I'm going to read it out of my uh, daughter's Bible storybook that we got from um, their grandparents, and it's the story of the widow with two mites. Jesus and his disciples sat in the temple, watching the crowds of people come and go. Over and over, they heard the plink of coins as they fell from the rich people's hands into the temple treasury. The money would be used for many different things, such as keeping the temple clean, buying incense to burn, or even to purchase the wood used during sacrifices. Most of the people felt important as they made a big donation, and more often than not, they were so wealthy that it didn't even affect their lives. They still had plenty left over for food and clothes, so really the donation was a way to make them feel like they had given a lot to God, even though it didn't take much away from them. As Jesus watched, a widow came along. She took two mites, which is barely a penny, and dropped them into the offering box. I wonder if the people around her started to laugh, because there isn't much that can be bought with such a small amount of money. But before anyone said a word, Jesus explained the truth of what she had done. You see, the widow didn't have any more money in her pockets. In fact, she didn't have any more money at home or anywhere else for that matter. Those two mites were everything that she owned. Jesus gathered his disciples and explained, This woman has given more than every other person because she had little and she gave it all. The others had so much that they will hardly miss what they gave, but she doesn't even know how she will get her next meal. The woman who had no husband to take care of her and no way to know how she would even stay alive was willing to give everything she had to God because she believed in him that much. 
Her faith was amazing, and there's no question that she was rewarded in heaven for the way she trusted God. God isn't really worried about how much we give to him. After all, he can do anything with or without our money, but he does care about our hearts and why we give. The widow is a wonderful example to us because she was willing to sacrifice her comfort and her security in order to bless God. God never laughs at us when we feel like we don't have much to offer. In fact, he loves to use what we give him and turn it into something beautiful. As the coins fall one after another deep into the treasury, God isn't counting the money. He's counting the cost to us instead. If we leave with empty pockets, we are making room for God to work and to show us how he can take care of us. Trusting him that much isn't easy, and it won't always be fun. But just like the widow who brought two mites, we are inviting him to bless us more than money ever could. So a couple of things I notice when I read that story. Again, it might be, it's a very familiar story, I'm sure, to many of us. Um, it's always just a short little blip in the Gospels, just saying, you know, these people made a big deal about all that they gave. She made a little deal and good for her. But I liked how they just sort of stretched out. What does that really mean and what does that really look like? So a couple of things that I notice is that she gave everything. That is made very clear, both in the four verses, if you read it in the Bible and in this. She gave all that she had, but it wasn't on the mission field. Wasn't some grand gesture where she displayed herself in front of all to see of what she gave. It was just ordinary, really everyday stuff that she did in front of her, in her church. She just went and she put it in and she continued about her day. She gave all of it and it was in such a um, hidden place. It wasn't about making a big splash about what she was giving. I also noticed that Jesus knew she didn't even know how her needs will be provided for. I worry that when I give my time, when I give my money, I think, how will I have enough energy? How am I going to deal with that awkward relationship? How will I get my me time? But this widow was showing me that I need to give it to him anyways, believing that he is going to meet all of those needs and those worries that I have. So remember, a sacrifice that leaves a godly legacy is a sacrifice that isn't about what we're not getting. It's about what we're giving so this morning, as you are listening, I really want you to be thinking, what can I give to leave a legacy? What's my part to keep God lavishing love even for a thousand generations? So as you ponder that, what it is that God's asking for you to leave specifically for the generation behind you, um, I want you to think about two things. Sorry, Dad, it has two points, not three. Just, I did the best I could. That's <laughs> the so number one. We are each given a unique blend of Jesus. So what we give and what we sacrifice and what we surrender is very individual to each of us. So we can't compare. I'm going to read to you out of 1 Corinthians 12, um, 4 through 8. This will also likely be a very familiar verse to you. Um, I'm going to read out of the message to just sort of spice it up a little bit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits. So one of the words that's said a bunch of times is various. There are various 
many, many, many various gifts that God has, and one person does not encapsulate all of them, except for Jesus. We know that. We know that none of us encapsulate all of who Jesus is. So our part and our responsibility is to give what is unique to us. So now is the part of the sermon where dad then would usually tell a story about him, you know, a story about himself or something he's learning or something he's experienced to kind of like give a real life example. Well, I'm going to tell a story on you instead of telling, like, talking about myself because it's your birthday. So we can talk about dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You ready? You're ready, right? Okay. So. Dad is a very unique blend of Jesus. I think that this is something we all can know. If you have ever had him speak, if you have ever met him, if you have been in our church at all, you go, Dad is not really like everybody else that I meet. He's just his own person. He is a surfer. He is a doer. He is a musician. He is a fixer. He is a completer of all lists. He is a man with more energy than the law allows. That is a phrase used a lot in our family. More energy than the law allows. And what has God asked him to give with all of that? All of those unique pieces of him. What has God asked him to give for someone else? Which would be our sacrifice. What are we giving and surrendering for somebody or something else? Well, that very active young man gets to sit. And he gets to write a sermon every single week for 38 years, 36 years, 36 years of taking all of that energy and all those pieces of who he is and what his natural tendency is, and he sits to write a sermon every single week. And I, I got to tell you, I did that this week, and it is brutal. I mean, it is like, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to be inspired, and it's going to be just like, it's not, not a big deal. I, I'm going to love this. Um, but we're moving, and so um, reality was I had one week truly to prepare a message. And it's hard to find inspiration when you're doing every day. Like, it's just not a natural thing to make a whole sermon. It just doesn't come. And then I thought, Dad does this every single week. And he takes care of us. He babysits the kids. He fixes the house. He comes to church and he serves people that have needs. And yet he still says, but what God has asked me to give with all of my unique personality is to sit and write a sermon. God has blessed that sacrifice. That choice, Dad, that you've made of obedience to give and surrender that time for uh, sermon writing, we get to hear and we get to learn through you and that really unique perspective um, because we need all those different pieces about you. You can share a way, you can share God's word in a way that nobody else can. It's unique to just you. So, Dad, I want you to know that you're leaving a legacy of what the Holy Spirit can do with obedience. You're leaving a legacy showing that I don't have to feel like it or want to to do what is right. And you're leaving a legacy of a church that's built on really sound doctrine and the Bible because you chose to stop what you want to be doing and to sit and to write and to say, God, what do you want me to say today? What is your word saying today? And I'm thankful that's not what God's asking me to do. And I'm thankful that all of you aren't doing the same thing because you know what? We don't need 26 sermons. We don't need them. We just don't need 26 sermons. We need one. Because even if we all gave up something that we really cared about in order to write a really good sermon, but that's not what God asked you to do, then it's not going to leave any sort of legacy that's even close to something we care about. If that's not what God's asked you to do, it doesn't matter how much we kill ourselves to do something hard. 
Think about that coworker that keeps asking you to grab a coffee or that neighbor that's a little irritating and they want your help. But instead you say, yeah, I just can't. I'm busy writing a sermon. This is just, it's really important. That's what my pastor does. He writes sermons, so I, I'm sorry, I'm not available. I am writing a sermon and you just can't sacrifice that time. Well, dad, he can't take him to coffee. He cannot help them in their house because he doesn't even know them. You do, it is your neighborhood. So your unique blend is needed for what that person needs. You might rather be writing a sermon than hanging out with that difficult personality or being out in the 90-degree weather helping somebody weed back their yard. Sermon might sound better to you, but again, that's not what God has asked each of us to do. That unique blend of Jesus is what God, what God has asked you to do, Dad, for right now. And so he has to let go of the other things he might rather be doing and do that. And we get to let go of the things that we think might be more important or really good or really hard and just take that person and go have coffee and just see what happens. So don't compare. Give your unique blend of Jesus and do specifically what's asked of each of us. The world needs each piece of God that's been deposited in us. Remember, sacrifice that leaves a godly legacy isn't about what we're not getting. It's about what we're giving. Number two, don't assume that your sacrifice will always look the same. God will often ask us to give different things in different seasons, even if our overall calling or focus remains the same. So I thought of some examples I'll, give, I'll spare you for now, Dad, just for now. thought of some of the examples in the Bible. I was thinking, all right, God, like if that's true, because I believe that, but I can't just say a statement. Show me. Who, who is like that in the Bible? He brought up Moses. I also looked um, Joseph, father of Jesus. So uh, not, earthly father to Jesus. He had to give up a lot. Obviously, his, his role was to raise Jesus and his siblings and be a husband, but he first had to surrender his reputation in order to marry Mary, someone who's already with child. He had to surrender that, and he, and he did. And he said, okay, that's what you asked me to surrender. That's what you asked me to give for somebody else. I'm going to give that. And then he made a stable life, and they have a home, and the wise men come, and this is all awesome. And then God says, you need to get up and just leave and just go. That's now what I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to take all the things that you've done, just like I asked you to do, and now you need to escape and you need to flee to Egypt. And Joseph had a choice. He could either say, I've already given what you asked me to give. I already gave my reputation. I did what you asked, and this is really good. Or he could say, gosh, I did all this stuff. But now you're asking me to give up that stability and to give life to your son, Jesus, and so I have to flee. Peter, evangelist, absolutely, definitely. But how Jesus asked him to share the gospel certainly changed over time. First, he was asked to surrender his vocation. He was a fisherman. He had to give that up. And he said, got it, I'm in, I'm all in, Jesus. I'm following you, I'm leaving all this behind, and this is what we do. So that is what Peter did. But then Jesus died, and he rose, and then he went back to heaven. And what happened when he went back to heaven? He said, Peter, you are the rock of my church. Oh, and I'm sending the Holy Spirit for you to receive, and that's how you're now going to share the gospel. I mean, mind-blowing to go from really hard of giving up everything and following this really unique person named Jesus, who is also God, 
You've encountered trials and you've done all these things and you've sacrificed a lot. And as a good follower, you've given a lot to support that. And then God's saying, and now, instead of just being a follower, I want you to be a leader. And instead of hearing from me person to person right in front of you, I want you to hear from the Holy Spirit. Peter could have said, it was a really good run, Jesus. I mean, I really believed. It was a good run, and I will go to my grave believing that. Or he could say, okay, I don't want to. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's asking for even more. But if that's what you're asking me to give, then that's what I'll give. And Peter became, we know, a huge evangelist. The Holy Spirit spoke powerfully through him. He healed people. And he would have missed out on all of that if he just said, I surrendered a lot, and this is what we did the first time, and let's just keep it the same the whole time. That is not who our God is. And that's what's really hard as humans. It's hard as a human to change and to make adjustments as we feel God asking us to do so. So don't worry, Dad. I still didn't forget about you. We need another story, right? We have a point. I've been well-trained in sermon writing. You have a point, you share what the scripture says, and then we talk a little bit about what it looks like in real life. But instead of me sharing, I'm gonna ask my mom if she can come and share. Because your calling has remained the same for a long time. You guys have been in this church, but what God has asked you to give has likely changed. Yes, it has. I like it down here. Is this good? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll obey. Well, 36 years ago, we had probably two pennies to rub together, kind of like the widow's mite, and it certainly had nothing to do with our talent. It had everything to do with this burning bush in our life, and his name was Jesus. And our pastor came to us, and he said, hey, why don't you guys start a church? I said, well... <clears throat> I tried marriage, I married, I birthed children, I've been to a church, so how hard could it be? <laughs> so that's what we did. And, and we just met in a uh, school, and we set up chairs, and we had a, really had a great time. It was fun. It was easy. Because you never knew if God would change his mind for the next Sunday, so hey, Want to do this Sunday? Okay, we're in. Want to do the next Sunday? We're in. Then, after about seven years, he said, I have a piece of land for you, and I want you to buy it. What? Buy a piece of land. That means a different kind of sacrifice. The first sacrifice that we learned about is that it wasn't about us. It was about him. So we went out and did started a church because it was about him. The second sacrifice came when we had a mortgage and then we had a staff and then we had people to take care of and we had to make decisions and we had all of this input. Kind of like Moses did a really good job when he was by himself and he was with the Lord and all he had to do was go to say, tell Pharaoh something 10 times over. That's all he had to do. Then God said, now we're going to take all these people and you're going to get a place. That's a different sacrifice, folks. If you've ever been with more than one person in your life, it's a different kind of sacrifice. And um, people are unique. I'm unique. And you make mistakes. 
and um, you have some really wonderful times, and you have some really hard times. And, and the Lord was faithful to our obedience to take the land, to build a building, and to do things that was not in our wheelhouse. We are, we're not people managers. We, are, we follow God. We follow the, the flame. We follow the bush. But then when you have to stop and negotiate all of that following, that's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice to, to stand still and to look for the Jethro's to speak into your life. And uh, waiting on the Lord. The second sacrifice that I think that we experienced is understanding that it's not about them, but it's about him. So the first sacrifice in the obedience is it's not about us, it's about him. And then it's not about them, it's about him. And thankfully, we have lived longer for Christ than we have for ourselves. And we're in a new season. And the sacrifice looks different. And the sacrifice is not the doing. It's not the going. But it's the standing still. And in the last 10 years, as we have stood still and watched what the Lord was doing, we find there's a legacy. The building's still here. We still have a fabulous staff. People keep coming on Sundays. And now we look at our children. And we look at our grandchildren. And we say, Lord, how is that? And he said, because it started when you gave the first sacrifice. And that first sacrifice was yourself. It's not about you, Pam and Alex. Second sacrifice, it's not about them. It's still about him. And the third sacrifice is what I think the widow experienced. It's, it's no longer her and him. It's, they did it together. Jesus was with her. He talked to her. She gave their money. Okay, we only have two mites. What are we going to do with them? He goes, I think we'll give it to the church today. So this new season for us is, um, I think we feel more like lighthouses where we are to be strong and to be still and to keep it simple. And that is our next step of obedience. Now, there may be more steps. He may say, okay, pack up and start a church in Hawaii. <laughs> but, but I have to say, and, and I agree with... Uh, where Peter went, where Joseph went, where Moses went, is that obedience that starts at the very beginning. You have no idea what's at the end. But after a while, after 36 years, we can look back and go, look what the Lord has done. And I hope we have enough energy for the next thing. Thanks, Mom. So sacrifice that leaves a godly legacy, it's not about what we're not getting, what we're missing out on, or what we have, just don't get to surf all the time. It's about what we're giving. It's about what we're giving. So what kind of legacy will our sacrifices be leaving? In Luke 21.3, this is where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. 
I want him to say the same thing about me because I actually gave what he asked. I actually gave what he asked. If I give what I want, even if it's killing me, even if it's making it so I can't do all the things that I want, but it's not what he asked me to give, is he going to say the same thing? Is he going to say, should Adrian put in more than all of these? No, no. A legacy is the thing we're most remembered for, for better or for worse. It's not just about kids, it's about all of the people we come into contact with. We are impacting each of the people that we are sitting next to and that we are working with and that we talk with and every person in our family. It is not just the kids and the little people. Um, it is a legacy that can impact everyone around us if we so choose. So, are we being remembered for overworking ourselves and never feeling like we've done enough? Is that the example we're leaving? We're leaving the example of thinking that we never measure up. So we're always just going to keep kind of either digging somebody else or working harder. Is that what people are going to remember about us? Are we always playing it safe? We just, you know, just not, not today, just not today. You know, she was just a not today kind of person. Always played it safe. Or are we remembered with a legacy that shows we believe that God will take care of us no matter how much we give away? A legacy that shows we believe he will always meet our need? And a legacy that shows we gave everything to what was most important to us, which was first him and then his people. So since I'm on this side of leaving a legacy, because I am a little younger, I'm going to ask just my slightly more mature and lovely Aunt Jody, who is my dad's sister, to just come and share a little bit about um, the legacy that was passed from their family um, to them, and then now what they are doing with it. And this isn't a time to say, like, wow, we're really special. Look at our special family. It's a time to say, this is just an example of a really real people. Many of you know us really well, and hopefully you know that we're really real people. And we just want you to have an opportunity to think a little bit about, yeah, it's just not a perfect legacy. We're just not these perfect people. But what God chooses to do with that obedience is what really matters. And, oh, oh gosh, okay, this is on. Thank you. Oh, praise God. What is a legacy? It is planting seeds in a garden that you never get to see. That's the line from the musical Hamilton. It was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. When my mother died in 1984, the scripture that God gave me to share at her memorial was John 12:24. Unless a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it stands alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. As I read it, I was looking at a room full of people who had come to honor my mother and been touched by her life in some way. And although the room was full of mostly strangers, it was clear that we were all joined by the influence of her wide-reaching life. When my brothers and sisters and I were growing up, there was not much opportunity for my mother to be present with the five of us kids. She worked throughout our childhood and was a major breadwinner for our family while my dad had intermittent jobs. There was never enough money to go around, but my parents managed to get food on the table and make sure our bodies were fed, if not our souls. As kids, we were unaware of the strain because our life was full of friends and fun. My mom and stepdad, John Olson, divorced when I was 15 years old, and my youngest brother, Dave, was only 10. My mom continued to work full-time, always in some sort of secretarial position, as well as her role as a single parent. 
She juggled the needs and demands of raising five kids on her own, but it took its toll. Many, many years later, I began to understand just how many of her own dreams she had given up to help us pursue our own. My mother wanted to be a writer, and she loved words. When she died, I inherited folders of her scribbled notes, her shorthand on office stationery, and entire stories that she'd submitted to Ladies Home Journal with the rejection letters. Somehow, in between everything else, she had managed to steal away and write her pencil longhand filling pages of yellow legal pads. Words were the currency that she traded in. In fact, just to keep us occupied, she would many times hand us five different scraps of paper with 15 different words on them and tell us to go figure them out and not come back until we did. <laughs> My mother enjoyed all kinds of music and she loved to sing. Ella Fitzgerald, Johnny Mathis, tunes from current musicals, her alto resonating as she accompanied songs on the radio, I remember her taking us to free performances of Handel's Messiah and how she swooned over classical music as much as jazz. She loved it all. She wanted us to love it too. My mother's life was a perfect example of how sacrifice is what we give away with the little that we have and finding a way to make the most of what you can get for free. Education was also important to my mom. She never finished high school. She did finish high school herself but never went to college. Her position with the English department at university whet her appetite for learning, and I think it rubbed off on all of us. She never used actual words, but we understood how rich learning could be. How? Well, what she loved and how she lived soaked in via osmosis, I think, more than any other thing. Her sacrifices weren't about what she didn't get, but about what she gave away from the tiny seeds that she had. All these years later, all of those seeds continue to sprout and grow in my life, in my siblings' lives, a love of music and song, the joy of learning, and the gift of words. There's one other unintended gift that my mother gave us and cost her nothing. She poured out of everything she did and is modeled best by my brother. That's how to love people. My mother isn't here today, but as I look out in the audience, I can see much of her legacy sitting right in front of me. My children, my grandchildren, Alex's children, Alex's grandchildren, and all of you. As you listen to that, I'm not sure about you, but when I listened, it meant extra to me because it's, it's my family, but she wasn't an extraordinary woman. She didn't do anything that unique. She didn't, she just worked. She worked her butt off. She loved her kids the best she knew how, but she still chose to give each of those sacrifices, and that's what this is about. What was important to her, that's what she gave to her kids, music, writing, it mattered. So she gave what she had. Um, so a sacrifice that leaves a godly legacy. It isn't about what we're not getting. It's not about what we're missing out on. It's about what we're choosing to give. Avon, you want to come up and play? Um, I want to reread a portion of the story. Um, just as you are thinking about what your legacy is and what you want it to be. 
If we leave with empty pockets, we are making room for God to work and to show us how he can take care of us. Trusting him that much isn't easy, and it won't always be fun. But just like the widow who brought two mites, we are inviting him to bless us more than money ever could. What are our two mites? What are our two mites? Even if it leaves us with empty pockets, as we trust that he will meet our needs, what is he asking you to give or surrender today? A legacy is leaving something behind. What do you want to leave behind? What do you want to leave behind? I want you to just spend a minute while we're listening to just think of something specifically. Obviously, many of our legacies, we desire for them to be broad-reaching and not necessarily one specific thing. But I don't want to think about the whole package today. I bet as you've been listening, we've had a lot of different people speak that the Holy Spirit was tugging on your heart of something that is extra valuable today for you to leave behind. So I want you to think about, God, what is that one thing? What is that one thing, Lord? And Lord, as we are thinking about what it is that you specifically want us to start investing in for our legacy, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would remind us, remind us that it is unique to us and that that has such great value, such great value. Lord, I want you to just encourage us that even if we have done a really great job in the past of giving what you've asked us to give, steal us. Um, bolster us up as we choose to continue to follow you and be obedient and give something even if it looks different or we're unsure that we would step forward and say my legacy is just too important God to leave a legacy about who you are is too important for me to stay in this one place so friends I just want to invite you to just either stand or open your hands or just raise your hands and just in a way of saying We know we have a responsibility to be obedient to him, but we all absolutely know we can't do any of this without him. We can't do it without him speaking to us. We can't do it without him meeting our needs. We can't do it without him encouraging our spirits. We can't do it without him giving us the words that we need. So God, as uh, my friends and I stand here just saying, we give our legacy to you. We want nothing more than what we sacrifice, what we surrender, what we give up to leave behind a legacy showing that we trust you, that you are good, that you meet needs, that you're not just a God that we see on Sunday. You're not just a God that um, died on a cross, but that you are a God that is alive and you are a God that does things now and that our legacy will be full of things that we have done, not out of our own strength, but out of your strength. So Holy Spirit, come and rest on us encourage our spirits seal the thing that you have asked us to give give us courage to step out in your name Lord we give this to you and we want to leave you uh, we want to leave behind a legacy that is worthy of all that you have given us in your name Amen 
And so friends, I want to encourage you that as you think about that, lots of times dad asks you to share with somebody what you heard, but what I want to encourage you to do is to write it down. Write down what you thought about. Write down what you heard from the Holy Spirit. Make a memory of that so that you can come back to it and that God can continue to turn that through you and what he's asked you to give. <sighs> we did it! <laughs> so, sure. Okay, Joan. We can do that after, after we break. I would love to do that, absolutely. So uh, family, we want to enjoy, ask you to join us for a birthday party because what would be a big 65 without a birthday party? We're going to have some cake. I hope there's squirt. It's squirt. My dad's most unique favorite drink would be squirt. So you need to make sure you try it. Um, some cupcakes and cake and just a little bit of time to just party as a family. So enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs>